Across this great country, Americans have choices. However, most limit themselves to either the Republican or Democrat Party. Well, America, how well is that working out for you where you live? Perhaps as RFK Jr. starts his third-party run, it's time to look at the other parties. What do they have to offer? Are they fringe beliefs or are they common-sense approaches that have been demonized by the mainstream political parties? My guest today aims to answer that question for you. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to yet another episode of America Emboldened. I'm your host, Greg Bolden, here on the America Out Loud Network. As always, go over to americaoutloud.news to check out all of my colleagues' work, like the great Dr. Peter McCullough, Malcolm Out Loud, the constitutional scholar Paul Engel. You can also hear their voices on the 24-7 Talk Radio Network, available on all of your favorite app devices. All you have to do is type in America Out Loud Talk Radio in order to find that uh, the app on your device and be able to hear those shows 365 days out of the week. Let's get straight into it. There's a tide turning in this country right now. Perhaps you feel it. Perhaps you are tired of the two-party system, or as I like to call them, the one-party system. It's the system that seems to kind of keep us in tow, line for line, against issue, against issue, that seems to be repetitive every single year. Meanwhile, there's always other options out there, but there's not a fair shot for those other candidates. Perhaps you've heard of parties like the Green Party before, Dr. Jill Stein. She's been on my show before. Perhaps maybe even know about the Constitution Party. Maybe you have some people that have run locally in elections and have won. And perhaps you know about the Libertarian Party, of which I talk about a lot on my show. Well, I think that right now we're at a perfect time for the Libertarian Party to be able to excel in the next election. We have two weak presidential candidates, Donald Trump and Joe Biden are both old. Not only are they both old, but they have half a country that is up in arms about them. Joe Biden's favorability numbers are starting to go down and down and down any further, and they're going to be in the grave, much like possibly them as political candidates in the future as they get into advanced age. You get into Donald Trump, he's got 91 counts against him. Who knows what's going to stick against him, right? So we might have a criminal that's running currently for president. I don't know how that's going. We also have a justice system that is not trusted across the board. People say that it's weaponized. Well, you have the Libertarian Party right now that has just had some big wins across 2023. And my guest today is Clayton Saltz, and he won in Johnson County, out in Indi- or Jonesboro County in Indiana. And so I'm going to bring Clayton onto the show in just a moment. But the reason I want to talk to him is you have another candidate right now. You have RFK Jr. And right now he's leading in favorability. And I'm curious, does this open the door for other libertarians and other political parties in the 2024 election? 
Clayton, welcome to America Emboldened. Hi, Greg. Thanks. Uh, and just to clarify, it's the city of Jonesboro in Grant County. Sorry, there was that. Thank you. I probably wrote it wrong. That, that's okay. And I'm, you know, on the fly sometimes. I'm trying to look off on my screen to make sure I got my show notes. So I misspeak sometimes. So thank you for uh, correcting me on there. Often on my show, I talk about city council. I talk about the local laws that are being written, the kind of uh, ways that people would like to see their local townships run. And the things get put in under the darkness of night that people have no idea about that really impact their lives. And I know that this was your first, uh, second run to go into uh, local government. Now, this was your successful run in 2022. You were uh, successful. You didn't have just enough votes to get there, but here you've made it in. I want to know what has motivated you in order to run for a local office. Yeah, I mean, so there's the general principles of truth and justice in the American way, right? But uh, as much as that is inspiring to people, that is usually inspiring to a lot of people, not everybody runs. For me, it's very personal. Uh, I'm a fifth generation member of Grant County. Uh, my son will be the sixth generation to grow up here. Um, and my grandpa was very involved in local politics and in the city of Jonesboro specifically. And when he died, I was at his funeral. I was like in my early 20s. And I remember thinking, who's going to take care of Jonesboro? And, you know, I'm a Christian. I, I feel like the Lord kind of spoke to me and was like, hey, stupid, it's you. Like, so I'm, I am I live in his house. And what was his house? I live in his city. Uh, I think I've been equipped and I want to make my city a better place for me and my family, just like my grandpa did. When you were running, what are some of the things that you wanted to change? What are some things that you wanted to take action on? What, what are some of your uh, political leanings that have caused you to want to serve your community uh, to make a difference? What, where are you looking to make an impact? Yeah, I mean, personally, I'm a pretty uh, radical libertarian, right? But I, uh, I can also work with people. Um, I, I've tried to get all of the local ordinances that so that citizens can see the laws that they're being held accountable for. And it's really difficult to find. You have to contact the secretary and hope that she's available. And often you just can't, you simply can't find them unless you go to literally personally every single meeting. So I think that's wrong. Um, you know, people get flagged for having a golf cart without following this ordinance or that. And I, I don't think that's fair. And uh, more broadly, standing up against tyranny, you know, um, there was a, during COVID, there was a, yellow police tape around our little playground. Now, Joe Biden didn't come and put that tape up. That was local authorities. Local authorities could have stood up against that and said, no, we're not doing that. Local authorities could have kept our city hall open when we were told to close well into 2021. So standing up against tyranny where it doesn't belong, I think is going to be a big part of my, that was a big part of my run, going to be a big part of my political career, I hope. Well, COVID was certainly a, a motivating factor for me to start doing this podcast. I had done other podcasts before uh, successfully. I uh, had a show where I used to interview teenagers from across the country and tell their stories about poverty, uh, talk about you know dealing with uh, single family households where maybe a father was in prison, incarcerated. And people really were kind of blown away when they heard those students' stories. But then after COVID happened and people got locked down, I realized there was this other story that I wanted to be able to share. I wanted to talk about personal freedoms. I wanted to talk about at what point are we going to change our way of thinking about healthcare and privacy and let the government into all of our lives. And so I started telling 
other people's stories, the vaccine injured, and getting into people like uh, Ben Edel out in Oregon, who started the Free Oregon Project that has multiple lawsuits currently going against the state of Oregon, uh, started telling their stories on the show and bringing people. So you're right in line uh, with the thought process, I think, of what we're going to see in 2024. There's going to be people that got fed up with restaurants being shut down, or in some states, I'm not sure if uh, Indiana followed this, but when I'm talking to people that lived out West, they had to have a vaccine passport card just to be able to go dine in and eat uh, once the vaccines were out there. I know people here in Delaware that lost their jobs in the medical field because they would not get the, uh, the experimental mRNA vaccine. Um, and I continue to call it the experimental because it's still in case studies. So anybody that wants to try to say that's not tough. Um, but I, 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 it's resonating with me that you're standing up the tyranny. How many other people are you seeing in the Libertarian Party in Indiana that want to stand up to this and start getting involved in your state? Yeah, I mean, the, the LPIN, the Libertarian Party of Indiana, is, is pretty successful among state parties. Uh, we're number eight in members in the nation. Um, and if you look at the population, Indiana is not even close to number eight uh, as far as population. So we punch above our weight. Um, we have very good leadership. Um, I'm not ideologically aligned 100% with all of our leadership. I'm part of a specific caucus that's not that took over the national party, the Mises caucus, but that's not in power in Indiana. But um, we're very reasonable in Indiana. Uh, we had a governor that ran and got something like 13% in 2022, um, it, or excuse me, in 2020, and hopefully we'll run again in 2024. And that's completely unheard of for somewhat, for a race as big of a governor. Um, and he's very principled talking about Ninth and Tenth Amendments, talking against tyranny. So um, it is a specific focus of the Mises Caucus and the Run as Libertarian movement that happened in 2023, libertarian.com. They endorsed me, gave me... Um, some resources that can help other people run in the future. So that was a focus, working a local level and nullifying tyrannical laws. But um, that's a movement that was already happening, I think, in Indiana, more than some other states within the Libertarian Party. Yeah, so you brought up the Mises Caucus. And so you're more in line with the Mises Caucus than your, the kind of the traditional Libertarians that are in Indiana. Is that kind of what you're stating? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been very open with the people in Indiana that um, – I am ideologically, I'm mostly aligned with the Mises Caucus, at least uh, as far as strategy is concerned. That surprises people because I'm pretty uh, amiable and agreeable. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not everyone in the Mises Caucus is super high in agreeableness. Um, so I think, you know, I'm not nearly as edgy uh, as some of Mises Caucus people. And I think when Indiana saw that, in my honesty, that's why, I mean, I'm the secretary of the Libertarian Party of Indiana, and right. even people that avowedly, don't like the Mises caucus still trust me to do that because they think I'm honest and they've talked to me and, you know, see that I'm reasonable. Yeah. I, so Michael Heiss has been on my show before, uh, spoke with him at the rage against the war machine, uh, rally down in Washington, DC, uh, really great person to speak with. But at the time I said, you know, let's get you back on the show, Michael. And I haven't had an opportunity to do so. This actually reminding me that I need to reach out to him and touch base because I believe we're going to need a unified front to take on once and for all the establishment, uh, the establishment of the Republicans, the Democrats, the ones that control all the corrupt laws of who can debate on a stage, who makes it onto the ballot access. They could have this great influence. And here in Delaware, uh, where, where I'm at, I know the libertarian party basically 
and in many other states, the, the Mises Caucus took over the Libertarian Party. In the states of New Mexico, Virginia, and Massachusetts, they were so upset about Mises Caucus taking over, they disaffiliated themselves from the Libertarian Party and they started the Liberty Party. And I did not see that as a good look for libertarians. Um, and th that's one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit more with Michael about is how is their healing in the libertarian party right now? Because there's no room for fracture. This is, do you agree with me? This is like the best time for another party to strike as right now. I mean, yes and no, in the sense that every four years it, it ratchets up and it's the best time. I mean, I think it was the best time in 2016. I think it was even better in 2020 and it'll be even better in 2024. And, um, when, when realistically a Republican or Democrat will almost certainly win in 2024, we'll have yet a better chance in 2028 because the stakes only get higher. The government never gets smaller. The prize you're winning for, you know, if you're playing poker, the pool never goes away. It never clears and goes back right. to zero. There's always more and more money on the table. You're giving someone more power over your life if someone you disagree with ends up in that place. So, yes, it is the best time, but I also don't think it's the time to throw away important principles in order to win that. You know, you, you can't you have to throw the ring into the fire. You can't hold on to it because, oh, you're going to do so much better. Um, so I don't know. There's a balance there somewhere. Yeah, there's going to have to be. But I, I just I look at where we are after Donald Trump's presidency and now Joe Biden's presidency. And I'm concerned about where the direction of this country is going that I don't think our Constitution can survive either of them as president for another four years. And I mean that pretty wholeheartedly. And it's not so much that I'm concerned about Donald Trump constitutionally, as much as I'm concerned about the reaction from the left and the left-leaning media for Donald Trump and what that means for our Constitution, uh, kind of the weaponized side of government. And then with Joe Biden, it's, it's very, uh, I think for anybody with ears and eyes, you can see that there is an agenda there with the WEF, there is an agenda to uh, appease the China and other countries, to uh, have open borders. I think he's been very clear at this point in time. He just doesn't give a crap about the amount of illegal immigrants that are coming into our country. And so I see 2024 as a pivotal year for the Libertarian Party and all other uh, non-mainstream parties, I'm going to put it that way, even though I know Libertarians mainstream in a sense, uh, but the ones that aren't the R's and D's, I don't think that there's a better time than now. And I don't think that we have until 2028 in order to start making changes, which is why I'm bringing you on to the show. Right. You know, I, I'm bringing people of ideological thought that I may not agree with your kind of far right libertarian views because I'm libertarian light in some respects. But I know that if I don't reach out the hand now to talk these ideas through with America, then I'm not doing my part in order to tell people what they could have elsewhere. So I'm kind of curious about like the strategy of the Libertarian Party in Indiana at this point in time. What are you doing in order to try to strengthen your 2024 chances? What's as secretary, what are you hearing? What's the party's uh, goals? What, what, what do you like to see at the end of this next election? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot there. So I, I think a key point is having different goals and strategies at each level. Um, I, I think a mistake the Libertarian Party has made for a long time and that other minor parties make for a long time is trying to seek um, reasonableness and elector electability at the presidential level, at the national level, that is too big. I don't think you can swing 
a 50% shift at electorally at the presidential level in one cycle. What you can do is get out a message a la Harry Brown, a la, you know, uh, Batnarek, a la Ron Paul, try to get these people motivated. And then you have the smaller levels where you have the infrastructure to get them plugged in and actually stay there. So they're not just Ron Paul people one moment and Bernie Sanders person the next. Um, you can actually get them plugged into an infrastructure which wasn't there after the Ron Paul sufficiently to keep people connected. Um, so locally, it's about winning. It's about getting as many people on the seats as you can to nullify big tyrannical laws and do what you can. At the state level, a lot of it's fundraising. Um, and that's a that's a big focus of Libertarian Party of Indiana. And it's a thing that people don't like. But um, it, it was crazy to me, even after being on the debate, even after polling at 25, 30 percent, even after being so successful, people would show up to the polls when I was working the polls and say, Donald Rainwater, who? And he got over 10% of the vote, but several people had never heard of them. And mm -hmm. it just goes to show, you know, some of the the things you work against, but that's money. If you want radio ads, if you want TV ads, if you want newspaper ads, you need to fundraise. And um, Donald Rainwater is very good at that. He's being intentional with that. And um, you need to, again, with the infrastructure, you have these people at the top level your podcasters, your presidential candidates that get people interested in the ideas. And then they say, hey, why don't you go to give 20 bucks towards this person running for state legislature or for governor so that you can actually make a difference where you live? And, mm -hmm. and I think that's what what unifies it. All right, that, that's fair. Uh, some of the libertarian uh, beliefs that people have, uh, I wanted to highlight some of that for the listening audience. Uh, not all of my listeners obviously are libertarian. I'd say that I have a lot of Republican listeners, honestly, uh, a lot of MAGA Republican listeners. They, they hold on with me, even though I'm critical of the leader, so to speak. And I appreciate that because by no means am I uh, hostile towards them whatsoever. We're all Americans. We're all, I think, trying to put America first. Some of the parts of the Mises caucus that I can certainly get behind are the idea of private property rights. When I speak with different individuals about the tenets of socialism, I normally take out the 10 tenets of the Marxist uh, guide of how to take over everything. I can openly normally find that people are supporting socialism and those tenets right out in the open. And they're not even hiding from it anymore. They're like, yeah, absolutely. I support that. We're, we're going to move forward with it. And property rights, that is one of those areas where we can come back to why you ran, right? We can come back to the tyranny. We can come back to what happened to private businesses during COVID. Uh, what are you seeing in Indiana as far as an attack on pri private property rights, as well as um, what are you seeing as far as socialism in your state? Uh, what, what's the opposition leadership look like? Yeah, I mean, well, thankfully, socialism isn't as big of a deal in Indiana. You know, that's that's typically more of a concern in blue states. But it is mm -hmm. still, you know, conservatism is progressivism driving the speed limit, as the great Michael Malice once said. You know, you, you see conservatives here, you know, defending vehemently Obamacare and call it Trump care and think it's better. You know, they they defend, you know, the insurance not across state lines they support shutting down businesses we have one of the highest gas taxes in the nation and uh still pretty bad roads um we have we're one of the few states that allow straight ticket voting just carte blanche you open up your poll and you just click republican and you don't have to look anything ever again um you know so i, I mean, 
but definitely asleep at the wheel when it comes to that. And just these assumptions that um, the government is is your friend. And, and you know, mentioned you mentioned RFK, and I, I think he's worth talking about. Is that you know I don't agree with him on everything, and I, I almost certainly won't end up voting for him because he's not a, a libertarian. But I think it's a good thing he's running. Um, and what I think Trump and RFK and some of the MAGA Republican like and libertarians, this a common thread is these people are not your friends. They're not well-meaning and just accidentally oppressing you for a hundred years and making it worse and worse. It's like um, at best they don't know or care who you are. And if they did know you, they probably wouldn't like you and would act against you. Like the, the CIA, they're not cuddly. You know, the the fact that if I was in college five years ago and said, you know, maybe the CIA killed JFK, I would have been called crazy. Now there's someone on the biggest stages of the world saying and running for president being like, you know, he's my uncle. I have a feeling the CIA killed JFK. And everyone's like, yeah, doggone. Yeah, I'm probably right. What do you do? <laughs> like, Yikes. Yeah. And then you have the Jeffrey Epstein. You have the Hunter Biden laptop. It's like they couldn't be more clear that it, it is not the fiction that they've told you that they're public servants. They're not public servants, the, at least the people at the highest levels. I think there's good people that are the pencil mm -hmm. pushers that are yeah, the wool in their eyes. But I think the people at the very, very top know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And I, I think RFK Jr. is one of those people that knows exactly what he's doing as well. I, I don't think that he's this altruistically uh, good candidate. That stated, on the opposite side of the break, I want to ask you about Donald Trump. I want to ask you about Joe Biden and the impact that they've had on politics and the change of politics in this country over the last, uh, really, eight years. And maybe Biden's been doing it for much longer. All right, everybody. Uh, we're talking the Clayton Saltz, uh, having a great conversation here, talk about libertarian uh, values, as well as the vision for the future and whether or not Maybe you would consider voting another party. Does it have to be Republican? Does it have to be Democrat? You've been getting the same results every single time you pull that lever for them. So why not give somebody with other ideals an opportunity? I mean, I'd like to end the Fed. I'd like to come up with Austrian economics again, sound monetary currency. Sounds good to me. I don't know what that sounds like to you. While you're thinking about your financial policy, make sure you take a look over at americaoutloud.store where you can check out all of our sponsors, people that help support the show. I appreciate that. And if you would like to help support me, you can go and buy me a coffee. You go buymeacoffee.com backslash bold America. That helps support me to be 100% independent. There's nobody that tells me what to say. Nobody tells me what to do. The content that I produce here is all from me fair, honest, and upfront with you. And by you donating, that helps me keep it that way. We'll be right back after the break, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, my special guest, Clayton Saltz, here on the America Out Loud Network. Changing the world one person at a time. Here, we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. 
Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Cofix RX nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Welcome back, Bold Americans. Second half of the show here, my conversation with Clayton. We've been talking about the Libertarian Party. And before the break, I wanted to kind of find out how did we get here? How did politics get to this point where people used to respect uh, the office of president? People used to speak about these people that were public servants as public servants. And as you just heard Clayton just say, you know, there's still pencil pushers that are out there that are doing great things, but there's not trust for the people that are getting elected. I believe that that started to erode a long time ago. I don't think it started with Donald Trump, and I certainly don't think it's ending with Joe Biden, but I'm curious what Clayton believes. Clayton, how had the last uh, several, uh, I don't know, I'd never even asked you how old you are. It doesn't really matter to me, but in the time that you've been paying attention to politics, how have it, how's the public perception changed for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm 28. So um, I remember when Bush was president. I don't really mem- really remember very well when he was elected. And I definitely remember the uh, Obama election in 08 um, and, you know, really woke up during the Obama years and then, you know, leading into Trump, of course, and now Joe Biden. Um, so the, the hope, you know, there was a hope in 2008, hope and change with Obama. And uh, as American cycles usually go, that really didn't end up helping the American people very much, you know, they were helped by capitalism and free trade and things are better in some ways, but the political promises didn't come through. The difference is I think the information and the internet was there now so that people could realize, oh, it wasn't because they tried their best and it just didn't work out. It's because they never intended to help us. They were helping themselves. These things are happening. They're helping the lobbyists. They're continuing the wars. They're doing all these things, um, but they're not helping me. And you said you had a largely conservative audience. A lot of this can be placed at George W. Bush, too. Um, Dave Smith, a great podcaster that I like, one of his says, you guys had the American zeitgeist after 9-11. Everyone was a conservative flag waving red, white, and blue on September 12th in 2001. George W. Bush had 
the country behind him like never before? Did he use it to topple the bureaucracy and lower taxes like crazy and, you know, make free trade and end the wars? No. He passed Medicare Part D, expanded the wars, and Patriot Act. the Patriot Act, which are being used against conservatives. Like, yep. the conservatives in power, whatever they said on stage, they used their moment in the sunlight to oppress Americans, period, and not to increase liberty. And I hate that. I wish they didn't do that. I understand. I like listening to Ronald Reagan's speeches, too. They sound great. He promised to get rid of the Department of Education. He didn't. He expanded it. He expanded the wars. He expanded the deficit. Like, so I, th I think that is a big part of it is everyone kind of knew, oh, politicians lie. They always made an exception for the person they liked or right. the party they liked. But now it's like it's just obvious they're just constantly lying and they're not even trying to hide it anymore. You know, I, I got excited about the Republican Party when Ron Paul was running back in 2008. And uh, I was part of the Ron Paul revolution. I went to the rallies. I got to hear him speak in Philadelphia, uh, met him in Washington, D.C. And then years later at the Rage Against the War Machine, I finally got my photo taken alongside with him, shaking his hand, which was great. Uh, it's funny how a couple decades removed, my life has changed and where I'm at and I'm on the opposite side of the rope, so to speak, talking to all these politicians. But Ron Paul's that one person that I always trusted that what he was sharing with the American public was the truth. And even Bernie Sanders, right? As crazy as Bernie Sanders is, and as much as I cannot stand what he stands for in his policies, I don't think that Bernie Sanders is lying to his followers, uh, people that support him in what he believes is happening and how he believes there's a solution. I actually believe that Ron Paul and Bernie Sanders in many ways are cut from the same cloth, but from two completely different political ideologies. All of a sudden, though, somewhere in our politics, we get Marjorie Taylor Greens. Uh, we get the Lauren Bobberts. We get the AOCs. We get these people that seem to be a little bit more interested in making an impact on social media and less about getting government out of our lives or reining government into the proper roles of the Constitution. Do you think that libertarians would be able to uh, stay away from the limelight that Washington, D.C. seems to be putting on people and just go in and try to get a smaller government? Um, I'm concerned that some of the personalities and character of some individuals that might've been rising over the last several years might have bought into this. We got to be bombastic and we got to give these speeches. Are you seeing that in the libertarian party at all across the board, people that you're talking to, or uh, is my fear, um, not realized? Yeah, well, I mean, everyone's self-interested, and, and that's what you always have to fight against. And so you have to use a system that uses that utilizes self-interest. And you have to think about what the strategy is. The people that are being bombastic on social media, at least, you know, from the Libertarian Party, they're trying to get ideas out there. Um, they're trying to convince people so that they can support the, the local candidates. And I'll be perfectly honest. The federal solution is not in Washington, D.C., the federal solution is in Indianapolis or in Dover um, saying to whatever comes out of Washington, D.C., no, blank you. you. That's not in the Constitution. The Tenth Amendment says that I can ignore whatever's not in the Constitution. So up yours. 
and uh, so part of what it is, part of that, what comes with the Mises Caucus is a pessimism about national level politics. We've tried for 50 years to get people into Congress to just do their job and follow the Constitution and reduce government, and that hasn't worked. So now what do we do? Now we have to go at a lower level and convince people who it will be in their own self-interest to fight to, to expand their influence and power to say, no, you know, I'm not going to let FBI in here and do X, Y, Z. I'm, you know, like looking at Rob, Ron DeSantis in Florida, he has tons and tons of issues, but he was a great governor because he was open and saying, no, as the governor of Florida, I have the sovereignty in Florida, except where the constitution gives it to the national government. So if it's not in the constitution, you can't do it in Florida. And I think that's what the solution is. Yeah, it's, it's actually the one thing that I, I, I really got behind Ron DeSantis on was when he said, not in my state, state rights take precedence here. Show me the constitutional amendment that gives you the legal authority for that mandate. Show me where uh, the governor even in some of these states can exercise that right in order to take away your constitutional rights. There's nothing. So therefore it's unlawful. I don't even, yeah, keep continue on because it sounds like you want to keep going. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I, I don't want to interrupt, but it's, you know, no. we we can't do 9-11 again. We can't do, we, we can't let this moment of American identity go away, you know, be wasted like we did 9-11. Right now, people, it, during COVID, people were talking and thinking about states' rights because, because of things like COVID and Ron DeSantis. In 2018, if you brought up the word nullification or states' rights, you would have been laughed out of the room because you're a neo-confederate and all this, and people do not have a long memory span. Five years from now, states' rights will be a joke again, unless conservatives and certain liberals and libertarians and third-party people can say, no, let's hold on to that. Let's keep talking about states' rights. Let's point out how the federal government has no right to do this and recognize that, you know, at best, you can get one representative to a hall of either 100 or 450 congressmen to try and legislate something, or you can just get a good governor who can say no and ignore what Congress says if it's unconstitutional. So um, again, there's balance with all things. If they send the army in, yeah, do what they tell you. I don't want to get shot. Nobody does. But they're not going to, especially if multiple states start doing it, and it's what the people want. Well, that opens up a whole other can of worms as far as sending the, the, the army in and to weaponize against the, the citizens. You know, I think that I, I just had uh, a few weeks ago on my show, um, the QAnon shaman, uh, he came on Jake and jelly, and he is currently running as a libertarian in the state of Arizona. And I think that some of what happened on January 6th, what we're seeing tell me if I'm wrong here in your uh, opinion, but we're seeing the intimidation of government to make sure that people line up and do exactly as they're told and give in to a populist agenda rather than question the government and have open dialogue with the government and ask for transparency. Is, is that an accurate take? Yeah, of course. I mean, in, in, in totalitarian regimes, you're not allowed to write graffiti on the overpass. If you say down with the emperor, it gets wiped off right away. You know, if, if they if they just had ultimate power and it didn't matter what the people thought, 
they'd allow free speech. You know, they don't they try to suppress idea. And of course, I'm not saying that, that Washington, D.C. is as bad as North Korea or anything like that. But it's yeah. everything's on a scale and the tactics are the same. You if you have a certain amount of power, you can't allow certain types of criticism to enter the zeitgeist or you simply won't be able to maintain that power for very long. I mean, you can legislate things, but if nobody listens, you know, before long, some of these laws are like speed limits where everybody chuckles about following the speed limit. It's like everyone knows the speed limit is 10 miles per hour over what the sign says. You know, it doesn't get enforced. So like if there isn't the public will to enforce it, there's never enough state agents to, to enforce the laws by themselves. They always rely on the citizenry to report people, to detain people. You know, if the citizens more or less believe in a law, they can support it. How does North Korea get so oppressed? It's because family members and friends, they have these struggle sessions. And if they find out something about you, they will report it. Even North Korea doesn't have enough agents to find everybody. They've gotten the citizens to buy in. That's what gives us power. Words on paper are not powerful. Human beings are powerful. Unless there's a human being looking you in the face, forcing you to do something, there's no one force behind that. And they're, and they know that. Yeah. I, I love your speed limit idea. Cause I'm just thinking like on the expressway, right? You're, you're going down a highway with a 65 mile per hour speed limit, 75 mile per hour, whatever. No one does it. Everybody's 10, 20 miles per hour. And when everybody is in unison going 20 miles per hour over the speed limit, no cop is ever going to pull you over because you're going with the flow of traffic. And I think that's a great analogy to make as we sit at this crossroads with where do we want to go as a country that people might be like, well, I'm afraid to go a little bit outside the box of what has been the norm. But if everybody starts following you, no one's going to stop that, right? There's, there's might in numbers in order to make things happen. What are some of the things that you are personally uh, wanting to accomplish and achieve here over the next couple of years where you're over at city council? What are, what are the things that you're pegging now as top priorities and top issues? Yeah, well, we need to get our website up to date. Uh, things need to be available on the internet. Um, you know, the, maybe they're following the regulations that were made 150 years ago about citizens being able to see it. You know, you can walk into the city council at a certain time and make a written request. And in six weeks, we'll send you the ordinances and whatever. Um, right. That just doesn't cut it anymore. And they know no one will do that, especially when the city council gets shut down every other day because of whatever federal or state holiday or latest pandemic or whatever. Um, so that's it's a big priority of mine. And you have about 1,500 people living in Jonesboro. Is that correct? Right. Right. Okay. It's so it's, we're funny. talking about a small city. You know, I heard at the beginning of the show, you talk about the transparency and how that was lacking. I guess what I'm wondering is in this small city, there's got to be something that is interesting to note that a libertarian could bring to that city. They can kind of bring some change and bring some things or is, are things pretty good uh, under Republican leadership there. You don't have a lot of gripes. Where do you stand? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, one thing that's frustrating here, it, it's, it's so pri it's small. It's hard to get excited about, but there was a fee added to landowners. Um, like an additional, you had to register with the city and pay a fee. If you're 
a uh, if you're renting out to people because the claim was, oh, it's there's so much pe- so many people moving out. We have so many people out of state owning things. We can't always track them down if there's an issue with the building. And so we'll just assess this small fee of a couple hundred dollars and you have to register. But we already pay property taxes. You're already on the county website of who owns that property. I, I fail to see the argument that you don't know who they are or how to contact them. Um, and part of me is like, why do you care? I mean, if it's on fire, call the fire department and make sure it doesn't spread. If they're not paying their water bill, shut off their water. Um, that's part of it. And we are, like many other small communities, we're under a big water program. Um, or We have mandates from the state about things we must do with our water and sewage system. And... It's very, very expensive, especially for a small community, and I think some of it's unreasonable. And finding those small ways, again, with the speed limit analogy, you know, I'm not saying we buck the system and privatize the water in Jonesboro. That's not going to happen. But especially if we can coordinate with other people, build relationships, either at the state or other local levels, how can we negotiate this? Rather than saying, oh, it's written down on a piece of paper 20 years ago, we got to do it. It's like, no, we have to stand up for the rights of our citizens and their money in their pocketbooks. How can we be honest and make sure we provide clean water and resources to people, but not just be slaves to what somebody in Indianapolis thought 30 years ago? So, Clayton, I asked you this question uh, kind of twice, at one at the beginning and now here towards the end of the interview on purpose and pushed you a little bit more on this on purpose. I love the transparency and I love the fact that you were able to give, I'd like to save people money. The reason why I'm putting this out kind of explicitly to the listening audience right now, you have a choice right now to elect people like Clayton. This is going to be coming to a a city council by you, right? Look for the libertarian parties, go hear them speak. Maybe you think that a libertarian is somebody who's going to legalize every single drug in your city. Maybe you think that that's going to be their number one priority. I didn't hear that out of Clayton's mouth. What I heard is common sense. I want to help people save a dollar. I want to find where government is overreaching and causing economic harm to the city through what's supposed to be incentivized federal funds. If we don't you know, follow this for the water, we might lose cash, but in a sense, we're losing cash because we got to upgrade it. We got to keep the, the, the status quo, so to speak, for getting these funds. So Clayton, I think that if anything, people should feel uh, pretty good about electing you and electing other libertarians after hearing that, oh my God, you don't want to come in right now and legalize prostitution? Well, that sounds awesome, Clayton. I'm glad that all of a sudden that's not going to happen. I'm, I'm being salacious on purpose because that's normally where people go with libertarianism. They're like, oh my God, they, they want legalized prostitution. They want every drug on the street. Oh yeah, I believe that people have a personal right to do whatever they want to do and government should be out of their lives. That's my personal belief. That all stated. I don't think that that's what I'd be doing if I was entering office. And I'm glad to hear that's not what Clayton's first things or his, his focus is. And as you know, you're 28 years old, that is a good starting point here. City council for you. I could see you moving your way up um, the ranks, not just with the libertarian party there in Indiana, but also moving up into other offices as you kind of get your sea legs behind you. Do you have any interest in possibly running for a larger office, you know, another four or five, six years from now? Yeah, honestly, 
I just sure. Um, again, I'm a little pessimistic about national politics. I'm not saying I'll never run for Congress. Um, I don't think it would probably be very winnable. Um, it would be more of a messaging thing, like we talked about at national. But mm -hmm. as far as actually trying to win and make a difference legislatively, uh, I have you know fairly good social capital. And if this movement keeps happening, I don't think it's crazy that someone like me could get a state representative or state senator seat in Indiana. Um, I, I, I would love that. I, I could see it happening for you. And I wasn't even thinking nationally. I was thinking of, you know, you could be a state representative uh, in Congress or Senate there for uh, representing the people. Well, uh, Clayton, is there any other things that you would like to uh, direct people to before we wrap up today? And I kind of give some final thoughts. Uh, yeah, just um, so he was talking about Trump and Joe Biden. Trump taught us that uh, these people are not your friends. They don't love America. They don't want you to thrive. And Joe Biden taught you that these are not impressive people. Like if, if you got all A's in high school, you are capable of running for office and governing just fine, at least as well as the people doing it right now are. Um, so go to runaslibertarian.com, sign up to help a campaign or do a campaign in the next cycle in your local election. Don't try to run for Congress. Don't try to run for president. Build yourself up. Let's build this infrastructure so that when the people at the top start driving public opinion towards liberty, you can capture them and make it count to make you and your family's life better. All right. So again, that website is runaslibertarian.com. Uh, you can find Clayton. He is the secretary out in Indiana for the Libertarian Party. Um, are you on social? I saw you had a, a, an X account, but I don't know that you really use it that much when I looked at it. Uh, you kind of just probably use it to check in on other things, not really the post, right? Yeah, it's personal. And, you know, I, I'm looking for jobs right now, so I don't want to make it too political yet. Yeah, no, um, so I, you can follow me, but it, it'll be boring follow. I can tell you that uh, I have a balancing act that I do every single day. I'm a public school teacher that has a national podcast. Um, and I talk to people with lots of different views. I obviously have my own views, uh, but I try to come down with common sense at the end of the day on every single thing. I'm going to make a bold prediction to you, Clayton, and we can laugh about this through email or bring you back one day and, and talk through this. My prediction is that Joe Biden will not be the Democrat that people are voting for in 2024, that there's going to be another Democrat that arises, that there's going to be a reason why he gets out. And his comment recently, if Trump wasn't running, I wouldn't run, I think just weakened his entire campaign. The other thing I believe is I don't think Trump makes it to the finish line either. But if he does, uh, I don't think he has a shot. I really don't. I think that there is millions of people who would still vote for him. But mark my words, as much as I think that he's dangerous to win, I think RFK Jr. may win the United States presidential election as a third party candidate. The reason being is he has a populist platform that I think is going to take away Donald Trump votes and against a unsure Democrat party that's seen warmongers in their party that used to be a party of peace against the corporate elites, the people of uh, the Bernie Sanders uh, Democrats, they're going to throw their hat behind Kennedy. And I think we might have one of the first really contested races in a really long time. And I've not said that on my show yet. So this is the first time I'm actually making that public, but I'm sharing it with you because I think libertarians have a bright future as well as other third parties, because I think the tide is turning in this country. And I, I wish you all the well uh, in the future, all the greatest success. I hope that we can keep in touch. You can come back on the show if you have 
things that are going on in Indiana or nationally that you hear about and you'd like to share them, you can reach out. You have my email, you have my cell phone number, reach out to me. Let me know what's going on, Clayton. We'll connect and make things happen. All right. Thank you, Zara. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And as we get into the holiday season, Merry Christmas to you guys. Uh, you know, I hope that you have a great new year as well. And I look forward to touching base with you here in the future. Yeah. Thanks. God bless you. All right, everybody. This has been an awesome show. I hope that you learned a little bit with Clayton today here on America Emboldened. Been a pleasure bringing this to you. Uh, gave me some things to think about. I still love that speed limit type of uh, analogy. I'm going to steal that and use that on my show. I'll give you credit, Clayton. Don't worry. I'll make sure that I say I heard this from Clayton out in Indiana, and uh, he's the one that came up with it. I don't steal other people's ideas. I'm a libertarian. I believe in your personal rights. All right, everybody, I hope that we honored your time well here on the show. If you'd like to leave me a comment, you can go over to at real Greg Bolden on X, or you can email me at Greg at emboldened.com, my personal website. Love to hear your thoughts about the libertarian wave. Is it coming? Or do you think we're going to remain in the two party, or as I like to call it, the one party system? That's it. That's all. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. Thank you.